0: So today, this message is all about treasure. And I just want to start with a parable that Jesus tells, um, which is just, it's brilliant. It's simple, it's brilliant. There's a man, and he goes out into a field. And he's hanging out in the field, and all of a sudden, he finds something. Buried underground, it's this pearl. It's this great, pearly treasure. Now, most of you guys, you're like it's a pearl, Like what, what's the big deal? But in that time period, like it was this very valuable treasure. And the guy who found it knew it was worth way more than everything he had. So what he does is he puts it back in the ground, buries it, he goes home and he sells everything. His house, his cattle, his livestock, his farm. Then he buys the field that the pearl was found in and he takes the pearl and goes, this is my treasure. Now that might sound crazy to you because you're thinking it's just one little pearl like why would he go and sell all those things jesus was trying to give us this picture that the kingdom of heaven is like that pearl it's something that people who don't have it people who don't know anything about it they see someone going full force for it and they're thinking that person's crazy like why would they give up their life for that but once the person possesses it they'll know its true value and it changes everything And just very simply today, I want to look at just a few different things that we can put as our treasure above the kingdom of heaven and how it can harm us. Um, One way that we can do this is when we put safety and security as our treasure. I don't know about you, but like, I want to be safe. I want to be secure. Like, if you told me that an, av- an avalanche was going to like hit this cabin, like, I'd be like, "See ya!" Like, let's leave. Come on, guys, let's take- get out of here. Let's be safe. Let's be secure. Um, I remember for me, uh, when I was a little kid, I was walking in Knott's Berry Farm, and uh, I was just hanging out, having a good time. You guys ever been in Knott's Berry Farm? Yeah, it's so fun. So I'm like, you know, in junior high, and we did a junior high field trip. And I'm trying to impress, you know, my sixth grade crush, you know, like you do. You know, I can't remember what I was doing, but I was just trying to be cool, you know, just trying to be cool around her. And uh, unfortunately, it wasn't my beautiful wife, Brooklyn. You know, she—I didn't know her in sixth grade, um, but you know, it was just this other girl, and you know, I thought she was cute and whatever. So I'm hanging out, and I'm trying to impress her, and uh, you know, I'm talking to her and trying to be all smooth. And I remember I like leaned up against this trash can, you know, like you know those big drums, those big trash barrels. So I lean up against it. And, like, it tips over, and this swarm of bees just comes out. You know, like, on, like, a hot day, like, at a theme park? Like, you've got, like, those trash bins. They're just swarming. So they come out. Bees are, like, my number one fear. I mean, there was dogs. There was heights. There was all these things. But, like, the bees was, like, number one. So, like, I'm, you know, trying to impress this girl. I just, I drop on the ground. I just start, like, weeping. And... (laughs) and the the girl's mom ended up having to take me home early. So, yeah, it didn't work out. But uh, my wife is way cooler, so, you know, I'm glad. It's okay. Here's the thing though, for me, in that moment, fear crippled my ability to impress that girl and make that connection. I think fear is something that cripples the church's ability to live for the kingdom. Honestly, I do. And I think we live in a a culture of fear. Um, There's just all around us, just there's fear of things. And we hear a lot more, even from Christians, you know, if, I don't know if you guys go on Facebook, I hear that teenagers like hate folks, they hate Facebook now because when they go on, it's just a bunch of old people complaining about politics. So it's like, we're just going to go on Instagram and Snapchat. Like you guys, you can have Facebook, like we give it to you. Um, But I just know like on Facebook, I see so much fear from adults uh, and it's, it's sad. Um, Something that happened recently was, you know, do you guys hear about that whole Starbucks cup thing? Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So it's like there's this fear of like, oh my goodness, the Starbucks cups. They don't say Merry Christmas. They're just, it's just like a red cup. Oh no! You know what? (laughs) We got to go into Starbucks and we got to tell them our name is Merry, hey my name is Merry Christmas so they're forced to write Merry Christmas on it. It's like, what? Like, it's not really living for the kingdom. It's like, because you're you're deceiving somebody. Like, you're you're causing somebody to go against their employment order, and you're tricking them. It's weird. You know what would be better, I think? Like, give your barista at Starbucks a really big tip, and on the receipt, like, write Jesus Loves You. Like, so much better. Or, like, stop and have a conversation with them. Or, like, find one of the many homeless people at Starbucks who are always there and buy them a drink in a like red cup or whatever, give it to them, sit down with them and have a conversation with them about Jesus. Like so much better. That, that's not living in fear. That's living for the kingdom. Um, another way I see um, just, just, over the last couple years, it, that has broken my heart. Is just the church's response, and I'm not. When I say the church, like don't don't freak out and think like I'm talking about your church. You guys have a great pastor. I'm just talking about the church as a whole, um, and even like solid Christians in our own hearts, we can battle with these things. Um, one of the battles of fear has been over the uh, problem of homosexuality and how it is. An issue that is becoming more and more common and more and more normal, and for those of us like me who believe it's sin, um, there can be this fear, like "Oh my gosh, they're taking over, and like the whole world's going to be ruined." Like there, there can be like this this fear, but it's so sad to me that we react in a fearful way because Jesus has called us to love sinners and to show them God's kindness that brings them into repentance. And I I know people who came out of that background and gave their lives to Jesus because of the kindness of a Christian. I just think it's crazy. Like, you know, sin has been called kind of like cancer. uh, And cancer is a disease that, It'll not only kill the host, but it destroys itself. Like cancer is something that is so destructive that it'll literally kill you and then kill itself. It doesn't care that it goes down with the ship. That's how sin is. And so for all of us, whether you were born a pastor's kid like me or whether you grew up and didn't know Jesus, we all were born into sin. We all had that disease. Can you imagine a group of people going to the doctor for cancer, and the doctor says, you know what, we've got this new treatment, it's amazing, it'll cure you completely, and I'm gonna give it to you for free at my own expense. Can you imagine if we went in uh, to that doctor, got cured from the disease, and then we went out into the streets and we saw other people suffering from cancer and they had different symptoms than us? And we just looked at them and said, they're disgusting. Like, I can't believe them. They're horrible. Wouldn't that be sad? But that's what the church does when they respond in fear. Because homosexuality is not a disease. It is a symptom of the root disease of sin. And every single one of us have the disease. We just have different symptoms. So I think it's wrong for us to respond in fear. There's so many different ways we could talk about it. But there's just a few. I think we need to remember the Bible says, perfect love casts out fear. Jesus died so that we don't have to fear, but fear holds us back. Um, there is a story of this pastor, um, man, this guy's so cool. <laughs> um, this pastor who basically um, he before he became a pastor, he was just a normal guy, big house, like good job, good amount of money, young guy. You know, he's like in his early thirties. He has everything, and God speaks directly to him and says, "You know what? Here's what I want you to do. I want you." to quit your job, sell your house, and become homeless. Sounds crazy, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I would, if God told me that, I'd be like, uh, are you sure? Like, that sounds crazy. This guy quits his job, sells everything, becomes a homeless pastor, like lives on the streets with other homeless people to preach the gospel to him. I think that's amazing. That's a guy who doesn't live by fear. But you know what, if God told any of us that, we would have so much fear. And we'd have people in our life, parents and other Christians, who'd be like, I don't think that was the Lord, I think that was Satan. Like, why would God tell you to do that? And we forget that throughout the entire Bible, there are so many people God calls to do crazy things. Like, Noah, build a boat, even though there's never been any rain. You know what I'm saying? Like, but we live in the world of common sense and fear. And a lot of times, fear will hold us back from God's will. Like, for instance, maybe you have had your mindset on a certain college your entire life, and everything has been building up to it, and then, like, senior year, God tells you, you know what, I don't even want you to go to college. And you're like, well, that's definitely from Satan, because I know that Christians go to college, and Satanists don't, you know what I mean? Like, we can have that kind of mindset. Like, that's what's been built up into us, and I'm not, I'm, please don't, like, leave this message and just think that I'm saying, no, you should go to college. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is you have to live your life not in fear and not in common sense and wisdom of man. You have to always hold your life open-handed, not close-handed. This is my life, this is my plan, this is what I wanna do. You need to always be like, God, whatever you want. If you want me to go to college, I'll go to that college. Oh, a different college, sweet, I'll go to that one. What, uh, that's not the guy you want me to marry? Okay, well then, uh, you know what I mean? Like you, you've got to be open-handed. God has to be in control. Here's, here's you know what, fear, it's for an orphan. Fears for an orphan. If you're an orphan, like you're afraid, you know, you don't know where you're gonna sleep at night, you don't know how you're gonna get food. But courage is for the king's kid. And you know what? Every single one of us has been adopted. We were orphans. Again, it's so important to realize, whether you're like me or Jake, you know, like we're pastor's kids, Andrew, pastor's kid, you know, it's easy. it'd be easy for the three of us to grow up and I'll admit, I don't know if you guys will, but I'll admit, be the first, there's so many times I grew up thinking like, yeah, like I inherited this, you know, I inherited my salvation, you know, like I came into this great Christian family, I know all the Bible stories, like I'm pretty spiritual. I grew up kind of thinking that way and I failed to realize that without Jesus and what he did in my life and my family's life, I'm an orphan beggar on the streets, but it through the kindness and grace of Jesus that I have been adopted. We have so many fears of failure, fears of not being accepted, fears of not being loved, fear of our own sin and what it can do in our life. We have fear of the world's sin. That's the one I struggle with. I read the news and I look at the articles. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much sin in the world and I can freak out. We got a fear of loss, of pain and suffering and fear of death. You guys ever heard of the Cold War kids? Anybody? I'm not talking about The band. (laughs) <laughs> so in nineteen or in the 1950s or whatever, you know, they, there was actually Cold War kids during the Cold War, um, and so what was happening in America at the time was Russia was going to bomb us, is what everyone was saying, you know. And this is before our time, you know. Even guys who are a little bit older, like me and Andrew, like we weren't around back then. Um, were you? Were, did, were you? Were you a Cold War kid? Okay, yeah, me, me too, bro. Just checking. So. Um, <laughs> But you know, they were like constantly afraid that Russia was gonna drop a nuke on them, and so there was these air raid drills where you'd have to hide underneath your desk because Russia was coming to get you. And you're just you're living in fear. And you know what? That can still happen today. You know, because we've got what do we have now? We've got ISIS, right? And we hear about that and we read the news about Christians being beheaded, and, and we can think like, man, like that's happening in those foreign countries. Like, how long until it happens here? And you know what? The reality is it could. The reality is. Eventually, they could be knocking on our door. They could be killing Christians. I'm here to tell you today that fear will hold you back from living from God's kingdom. It'll, it'll shackle you to fear where you won't be able to do what God has called you to do because you'll be so afraid of what could happen. Here's the thing. Here's the awesome thing. I got this from Levi Alasco. It's just such a great term. Levi has this teaching where he basically says, Christians, you need to understand you have a bulletproof soul. I love that. Like we are indestructible. Like we are the only people on the planet who literally we can't die. We can we can go through the first death, but Jesus says, "Do not fear the one who can kill the body. Fear the one who can kill the soul." Guys, we're safe from that. If you believe in Jesus, like we live forever. We can go through pain and trials on this earth, but we have a bulletproof soul. I love that. The second thing is we can live for our treasure being present pleasure. Like just wanting to live for ourselves, maybe you've experienced that in your life. Maybe you've experienced seasons where you're like, "I just want to live for myself. I just want to do what I want to do that makes me happy." Fear causes us to lo- live for the short term. Um, this was my time. Uh, maybe you guys remember this when you were little. I'm not sure, but uh, you know, how how old were you guys like in the year 2000? Because not not born, okay, yeah, yeah. So you weren't okay. So check this out. At the end of the '90s, you guys ever heard about Y2K? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was so scary. Like this is this is what we were told, you know. We were told Y2K. It was like the year 2000, and so like when we built the computers. We didn't prepare that we would ever get to the year 2000. So like, I guess this is, I mean, I'm remembering probably wrong, but this is what I remember. It's like everyone was saying in the year 2000, all the computers are gonna reset, the stock market's gonna crash, like you'll be driving and like the stoplights will just like turn purple. And you'll be like, I don't, I don't even know what that color means. Like, I'm just gonna drive through it and there'll be like people crashing, airplanes will be going down. like. It was crazy, like, m- even, like, like, my parents are pretty rad and, like, not very, like, you know, like, crazy parents or whatever, but they were, like, stocking up canned food. Like, <laughs> they, they in our pantry. I remember we were getting ready for Y2K for, like, when all the lights turned off and everything. Um, <laughs> so the thing is, fear causes us to live, it causes us to live for the short term. And, you know, we can live with this mentality of, like, you know, the world's going to end, you know? And that can be our focus, you know? I, I believe that Jesus is going to come back. He's going um, to rapture us. I believe there's going to be a tribulation. I believe hard times are coming to the world. I was just this morning reading an article about like all these different cities that are like basically doomed. Like there's cities that are like stationed on volcanoes that are like scheduled to erupt in like 20 years. And like there's cities like Amsterdam is like, like it's like one mistake away from being like flooded and submerged underwater. Like all of these cities, uh, the place where we went to Bible college in York, you know, it just got flooded and people are having to uh, leave their homes. It's crazy. So the world's, in, the world's in bad shape and we can look at the world and we can think like, man, the world's gonna end. Like everything's gonna just blow up and it's gonna be terrible. I I prefer to remember the story of the kingdom and, and remember that the, it's not that the world is ending, it's that the world is just beginning. Because Jesus has a plan for his world that he created. He has a plan for a new heaven and a new earth to renew the things that are going wrong with the world. He's going to make everything better. And I'm so excited for that. I'm so excited for that new heaven and earth. Like I wanna live for that. Like I don't wanna live for my, my present pleasure. I wanna live for God's kingdom. The Bible describes the new heaven and new earth as indescribable. (laughs) Like, it's awesome. Um, Paul got to see a glimpse of it, and he comes back, and he's like, yeah, there's not words. Like, I could try, but like, there's not even words. Like, think of it, think of it as like, you know, like if you're a baby in a womb, do you guys remember when you are in the womb? You remember that? It was, it was rad, right? It was so good. It's all like warm and just like and ate through a tube. It was great. Um, well, you know, in the womb, you know, when you're a baby, like that's your world. Like that's all you know. You know the warmth and the tube and the fluid and like that's all you know. Like you do not have words to describe this out here. You don't get it. So if I like... If If I could be like a baby whisperer and like go up to like a mama's belly and just like start whispering like things to a baby where it would like understand me and I'm like trying to tell it about like pizza and Star Wars and like kittens and like all the things outside the womb, it doesn't have context. Like it doesn't understand how great those things can be because all its entire world is just the womb. I believe when we see what God has planned for his creation to renew it, when we see the kingdom of heaven in its full greatness and glory, like, it's just going to be like we, had, we did not have words when we were back in this life. It's, it's amazing. And you know what? I mean, think about it. Think about it. These indescribable wonders that are coming. Imagine, you know, that you're like living in a trash can like Oscar the Grouch, you know? Um, you're just chilling in that trash can and like a rich like, king comes to you and says, ha ha, I don't know like, why you would, but he's like, ha ha, I want to take you out of this trash can and put you in a mansion. It's gonna be so rad. Um, so here's the deal, seven days and I'm coming back for you. Uh, in that time, I want you to get ready for the kingdom. And I want you to tell other Oscar the Grouches who live in these trash cans about the kingdom, you know? It's gonna be so rad, seven days, coming back, okay? So then he leaves imagine if instead of like going to the other grouches or whatever and like telling them about like, we should go to this kingdom. Imagine you're just like, yeah, that's cool. But like uh, I mean, seven days is a long time. Uh, I'm just gonna like bedazzle my trash can, you know? <laughs> I'm just gonna go and like put like these sweet like, like glue the jewels on and like put some like potpourri, you know, like make a really good stew in my trash can. Like I just want to be comfortable. Like we get some pillows and just like make sure my trash can experience is super comfortable. It's like you're going to be living in a mansion. Like why do you care so much about your personal comfort and pleasure in the trash can? That's, that's crazy. It's cr- but that's how we live. It's like, I've got to make... Like, like. Do you ever like look at your life and you're like, oh my gosh, like... I'm 15, like, I'm gonna be like 20 soon, like 30, and, like 40, and then I'm like basically dead. Like, my whole life is going down the tubes. Like, oh, it's like, I, I feel that way. Like, I am 27 next month and it's like, I'm getting closer to 30 and it feels like a death sentence. Like, it's crazy, um, But it, it, <laughs> but here's the thing, here's the thing. Here's the thing, like, we are, in, we are in this life, in these body tents for such a short amount of time compared to eternity. Eternity is huge. And so Jesus continues to reshape and reform my thinking because going through my life. Like I had things I wanted to do. I wanted to go to film school. I wanted to be a film director. I wanted to write screenplays. I started a business with my best friend when I was uh, 17 and we got uh, funded by an investor for $50,000 to rent a studio and have lights and cameras. And we were making these YouTube videos. I thought I was going to be famous. Like, and I was living for my kingdom. I was being a uh, junior high counselor on the side. That was like my side thing that gave me like spiritual fulfillment. But in my mind at the forefront was like, I I gotta make money, you know, I gotta be successful, I gotta do this stuff, I'm not, now I'm not saying that all of you, like I said last night, you don't have to, like, quit your, f- like, future plans of going to college or getting a job, um, and, you know, like, join the ministry and, like, all you guys show up to Andrew and, like, we're gonna work at the church for free, uh, he'd probably be stoked, I'd be stoked, you can come to my church and work for free, would be rad, um, But I'm not. What I'm saying is, every Christian is called to ministry. Every Christian is called to ministry. What that means is not you work at a church. Some of us do. We don't view that like me and Andrew and like Jake and like Brooklyn. Like we don't we don't view that as like oh yeah we deserve it. You know like we're the super Christians so we get to work at the church. It's so rad. Like oh my gosh, we view it as such a privilege that we get to spend pretty much all of our time focusing on it. It's it's such a privilege. Like it's it's so amazing and like and and Lord. Help us that we use our time wisely because the time is short. But for all of you guys, you're going to have school. You're going to have jobs. You're going to have your own life. But Jesus is calling you to put his kingdom first, to seek ye first the kingdom of God in all you do, to filter everything you do through the lens of God's kingdom instead of living your life and seeing things through the lens of power and money and satisfaction and security and retirement. Look at this. Look at this. I found this in my room. The Money Guide to Living Well in Retirement. (laughs) These guys look like villains in like an 80s movie. Uh, Like, that's what the world thinks. It's all about making this life as comfortable as possible. God, I think, is calling us to something greater. I think living for the long term makes things so much better. And I'm just gonna use the example, I hope I don't get in trouble, it's not gonna get crazy, I promise, but just the example of sex, you know, in living for the short term or the long term, okay? Um, so when I, it's the, the message I'm teaching you guys right now, I made the biggest mistake I've ever made in my life when I taught this, um, it was a similar message I taught at my high school camp because I forgot to charge my phone so I didn't have a clock when I was up there so I didn't know how long I was teaching and the message like I overprepped, and it was like, like two hours. <laughs> and I had no idea. Like, I was just like preaching it. I was getting into it. Um, so, this part was like at the end, and like my kids are falling asleep. And then I said the word sex, and everyone was just like, huh? what? <laughs> oh, I was talking about my favorite thing. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Anyway, if you live for the short term, if you live for the short term, if it's just like, it's all about my pleasure now, then you look at something like sex and you think, my parents say it's bad. Like, my parents say it's bad. But, like, my friends all say it's like really, really good. So like, uh, I don't know, I just I want to experience it. Ugh. If you live for the long term, you think Jesus is my father, Jesus is my king, what does he have to say about it? If you live for the short term, you think my friends say this is going to be awesome and like they're experienced and like they tell me stories of like what they've done, like that sounds awesome, like oh, I want to try it. If you're living for the long term, you realize God doesn't say it's bad, God says it's good. Like God says that sex is awesome, it's wonderful, he created it, but much like a fire, a fire is good in the context it's created for. In a fireplace, it's rad. Inside this cabin all over, it's, it's terrible, <laughs> right? So we, when we live for God's kingdom for the long term, we wanna figure out what is the context God has created this beautiful thing for. In the short term, we just think of our desires. We think, man, I've got this urge, Like this is what I want. Like There's this girl right in front of me. There's this guy who's just, he wants to go for it. Like, let's, let's just, oh, all the songs say tonight, let's make tonight the night, let's go for it. In the long term, we think, until the time Jesus brings me to that place where he provides a husband or a wife for me and I can have this beautiful relationship, until then, Jesus is my desire. Until then, Jesus is what I need. Not that you're not gonna have those natural desires, but you look at Jesus first and you say, he is my utmost desire. In the short term, you think I'm only young once. In the long term, you think Jesus wants to give me a slice of heaven on earth through a wonderful marriage that'll last well beyond the years that I'm young and into fruitful life as I age and get older and not leave me heartbroken thinking about the years that I wasted in the past. In the short term, we think I want it now. In the long term, we think disobedience to my king and my father, Jesus, will not just hurt me, but it'll hurt him. And because I love him, because I care about him, I don't want to hurt him. The third thing. Moving on. The third thing. You guys with me? You with me? Yeah? Cool. I'm so excited. Like, point three. I'm like... 've Got lots of time. Like, praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> I can be long-winded and crazy. Um, OK. The third thing that I feel like is a treasure that we put above the kingdom of God is being in control. Being in control of our own life, master of our own destiny. It has to go the way I meticulously planned. I've had my wedding planned out oh, since like second grade, the girls say. You know, it's like, it's gotta be like this, and the dress is gonna look like this, and, you know, the boy's gonna be Bill and Jay, Billy Jenkins. You know, you've got that guy. Like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> I'm just saying, like in, in elementary school, you know, you've got your crush figured out, and you, you know what, you know, anyway, okay, whatever. <laughs> okay, so let's go back to the prayer. Let's go back to the Lord's Prayer, okay? What's the first line of the Lord's Prayer? you guys remember it? Our Father, hallowed be your name. Does anyone know what the word hallowed means? Anybody? Holy? Yeah, I kind of I thought that. Um, I was at a pastor's conference and they, they were teaching on the prayers of Jesus and they brought up the word hallowed and it blew my mind because what they were saying was, if I can remember it right, the word hallowed, it doesn't just mean holy and set apart. It means esteemed and valued above all else so the name of God is our treasure you know our God has a name it's funny we call him God because it'd be like if I it's it's kind of like when you go up to a dude and you're like hey man like you're calling him what he is (laughs) God is a deity so you're like hey deity (laughs) our father deity like he has a name it's Yahweh I mean he has he has many names he calls himself but our God has a name I, I challenge you pray Call God by name. Talk to him for who he is. And say to, t- say to Yahweh, Lord, your name is what I value above all else. Your name is my passion. You are who I live for, who I die for, who I fight for. I mean, what is, what is your view of Jesus? You know? Is he your helper? Oh, Jesus is my helper. He is, he is. <laughs> Is he your friend? Yeah, Jesus is your friend. Have you guys seen that video? Jesus is a friend of mine. No? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah? Okay. Google it. Jesus is a friend of mine. It'll blow your mind. Um, so bad. Um, he's, yeah, he's your friend. Is he your teacher? Yes, absolutely. He is like the master Jedi teacher. Like he is so full of wisdom and knowledge and teaching. But the, quest, the question is, is he Lord? Okay? Is he Lord? Because remember, if we live in a kingdom, who do we live under? A king. Right. So is he Lord? And Jesus, there's so many times in the Bible where Jesus calls us out about this. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord and not do what I say? I want you to imagine this. Um, Imagine, you know, um, (laughs) you're in your room, chilling on your phone, just having a great old time. And your dad comes in, you know, and dear old dad, he says, listen, listen. This room, it's an atrocity. Like, it it needs to be cleaned right now. You need to clean this room. We got company coming over. Like, come on, straighten up this room. And you go, all right, Dad. And he leaves, comes back an hour later. You're still on your bed, you're still on your phone, just chilling, and your dad's like, what on earth? I told you to clean the room. And you say, hey, Dad, wait, hold on. Um, Check this out, Dad, okay? Real talk. I memorized what you said. Dad's like, what? He's like, yeah. I memorized what you said, dad, clean your room. Are you proud of me? I memorized it. It took me like an hour, but like, I got it. I memorized it. And the dad's like, I guess. And then you're like, you know what, dad? It's super cool. Um, You know, I actually figured out how to say clean your room in Greek and Hebrew. And like the deeper meaning of clean your room. It's so (laughs) rad, God. Or dad, like I just, I know. I know it. And you know what, dad? Me and my friends, we're actually going to have a small group later tonight, and we're going to talk about the importance of a clean room, and just like how awesome a clean room is, and like just how, how deep and beneficial a clean room is, and actually we're going to go to this conference camp, where it's just, oh, it's like, it's like the theme is like hashtag clean room, it's just like all about cleaning your room, and like just making it so spotless, and I'm just going to come back, I'm just going to be so psyched about cleaning my room, dad, oh, and your dad's kind of like, all right, whatever. Like, that's, that's how we treat God. He comes to us and he says, hey, this is what I have for you to do. And we're like, oh, I memorized it. I know I'm Greek and Hebrew. I'm going to a camp about it, so I'm good. But did you do it? Did you do what he asked you to do? Jesus says, if you're going to call me Lord, then do what I said. And he even goes even further with Peter, one of his best bros, when they're sitting on the beach. And, and Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, you know I love you. And then Jesus says, then do what I say, feed my sheep, keep my commandments. Like, come on, Peter. It's like, if Peter got it wrong, we can get it wrong. And I get it wrong so much. We can say, Jesus, you're good, good father, yes. But is he Lord of heaven and earth to us? Or is he just like our daddy in the sky who we come to when we need an allowance, you know, spiritual allowance? Lord, I need a blessing. Bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord, you know? And we get it. But do we give him anything back? Do we give him our allegiance? Do we give him what he asks for? Guys, here's the thing about doing what Jesus asks us to do. It's never a bad thing. Like I've never had a situation where God told me to do something and it ended up being a bad situation. In fact, I'm going to tell you guys a story. Okay. Um, So I remember I was your age. I was like 17 probably. And I'm at this camp And I'm a junior high counselor at my church. So I'm in high school group. I'm also helping out in junior high group, you know, and I'm just loving it, having a good time. Um, Phil Wickham's playing. Worship's going. Everything's just rocking. Everything's so good. And the music, like, reaches its crescendo. I'm like, have my hands up in the air. I'm like, God, like, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone, like, whatever you want. And then all of a sudden, the Lord, in my mind, puts the picture of this girl named Megan, who is also a counselor at the time, and it wasn't anything like that, like, she will be your wife. No, it wasn't that. You know what it was? It was, give her $500. I was like, get behind me, Satan. Like, that's, because I was working as a janitor at my church, and uh, I just made my first cool thousand, you know? and it took a long time because they were paying me like way below minimum wage and I didn't even know back then but that's a whole other thing um, but uh, yeah, you know it's the pastor's kid you know he'll, he'll, yeah, he'll do it uh, so uh, you know I was just like no and God kept like speaking to me he's like this is what I want you to do and I'm like why like like, no, like God doesn't want me to be unhappy. God doesn't want me to be poor. I was like super, I didn't even know it, but I was like super into like prosperity gospel back then. I didn't even know it. Cause I was like, I just, you know, I need that money. I need that money. God like God wants to bless me. Like I, I pray and God blesses me. And I get some money, and I get some cash. Like that's what it's about. And, and God just kept telling me. And I would go to Bible studies from my youth pastor, and It was crazy. Have you ever had uh, one of those moments or one of those weeks or months where you feel like God just has that lock on target and every message is for you. And, and it's like, what you don't want to hear, you're just like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like I, I'm surprised I didn't yell out no in the middle of my youth pastors' Bible studies because it was all about being generous and like trusting God with like your life and your finances and giving Him control and all this stuff. And I'm like, we're in high school, like we're not tithing. Like why are you teaching this message right now for me? Like why? So it got more intense. Um, I was reading a biography of a guy who I just love, named Keith Green, who's one of my favorite people in the world. Just this brilliant musician from the 70s, he died at the young age of like 29, which is crazy to me, I thought he was so much older, I'm like almost his age, and uh, you know, it was his story, and there's a section of the book where his wife is talking, and she's talking about how um, when she was pregnant and she was going through a pregnancy, she was finally able to afford these really nice maternity clothes. And they were super nice, super stylish, didn't make her look super pregnant or whatever, like they looked good. Well, there was this uh, Hispanic family in her neighborhood, and there was a mother who was going through pregnancy as well, and they couldn't afford maternity clothes. And so God told her specifically, Give those up. Give give them to her, and she struggled with it and wrestled. Like I don't know, God. Like what am I gonna wear? Like uh." but she finally gave in. She gave the clothes, and the crazy thing was, a week later, somebody randomly donated her maternity clothes. And they weren't as nice as the one she had before, but it worked and she was filled with this just like, like understanding of like, man, God, thank you so much. Like when I give something, Lord, you, you, you go back and you bless me back. And it's not like what I was thinking it would be, but it's so much better and I'm full of joy now. So I'm reading that and I like close the book. I'm like, no, nope, uh-uh. like <laughs> I don't care. I turn on the radio the same day I read it. The lady who was telling the story in the book comes on the radio and tells the story on the radio. On K-Wave. And I'm just like, really, Lord? Come on. I did not want to do it. I was totally Jonah running away from the Lord. So then the straw that broke the camel's back was I am cleaning my room. And um, like back in the day, you know, you would burn a lot of DVDs and a lot of CDs, you know. And a lot of times if you're lazy like me, you wouldn't label them, you know. So I'm cleaning my room and I find this stack of DVDs and I, I don't know what they are. So I'm like, ugh. Oh. Guess I'll go through them. So I start putting them in my like tiny little DVD player in my room, a little like retro TV that, from like the thrift store, and I'm like watching these DVDs, like trying to figure out what they are while I'm cleaning my room. And there's like old episodes, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and just like <laughs> random weird stuff on there. Well, I find this one DVD and I put it in. I don't, I don't know what it is. I hit play. I go downstairs. I make myself a sandwich. I come back upstairs. The video is a recording from the year previous of a church service and Megan, the girl that I'm supposed to give the money to, is on the stage in the video. And I'm just like, like I, didn't, I didn't record this. I didn't ask for this. I wasn't there. How did this get in my room? Like, I was just, I was freaking out. And she, and, and I, I forgot this detail. I had learned that the reason she like needed money, and I didn't even know, because she didn't tell me, the reason I found out later, she was trying to raise money to go to Austria on a missions trip, okay? So fast forward, I, I know this now, I'm in my room, I don't know where this video came from, she gets on stage I'm like what's she doing like what's she talking about? She's talking about the year previous when she went to Austria the first time and she was saying it was crazy guys I needed money I didn't know where it was going to come from and God randomly provided someone to give me the money and it's just like she wasn't asking for money she was giving this testimony of what God did. I was not there that night. I did not see that. I had no idea where that video came from. Like you know what I mean? It was just I was literally there and I was like God I cannot run from this any longer or I'm afraid you're going to kill me. Like like this this is gnarly like, so begrudgingly, you know, I kind of was like, all right, I'll I'll give the Lord what he wants. And I, uh, you know, filled out the check, gave it to my youth pastor. I said, just don't tell Megan, this is from me. It's anonymous. Like just, you know, just do with it. Give it, give it to her. Crazy thing is she gets my money and the trip gets canceled. (laughs) So now I'm like, she's going to Spent five hundred of my dollars on shoes, like (laughs) no, like no, this can't happen, like. And I'm so mad. And I actually had been to Austria myself when I was about 16 on a mission trip, and I had connections, or at least I thought, you know. So I'm like calling people at the conference center, the Bible college. I'm like, you gotta get this girl Megan over there. Like, listen, it is imperative that she arrives in Austria. Like, there is just you don't know what's writing on this. Like, freaking out. No one wants her to come. Like, they're like, no, sorry, the the trip is canceled. We have no use for anybody. Like, it's fine. So I'm just like. man. And I remember the Lord spoke to me and he's like, like, am I not your treasure? Like, are you not willing to give something up without any guarantee you'll get something back for it? Like, are you willing to do that? And he like rocked my heart. And I remember just finally just getting to a place where I'm like, okay, God, I surrender. I'm not going to complain about this anymore. Like just whatever she does with the money, it's fine. It's good. Whatever. I trust you. Here's the crazy thing. Megan ended up spending part of that money to go to Bible college in York, in England. And she comes back from that trip and randomly like hits me up. We're like, we like, we weren't even that close. She was a couple of grades older than me. And you know, she just like she finds me and like she's just like, oh my gosh, Aaron, like I was praying and I was thinking about you in Bible college, and like I, I think you should consider going. And I was like, oh, I've never thought of that before. So I I end up going. I end like I feel like God tugging me to go. And during that time period, I was really struggling with kind of depression. I was kind of going through like an emo phase and like just like really didn't like myself. Um, I had like weight issues. I like, when I was 15, I weighed like 250 pounds and then I like lost like by the age of seventeen. I got down to like 175 um, from like exercising, and, like eating good. But like I still looked in the mirror and I saw like a big guy who like was ugly. And I grew my hair out like really long to like kind of hide myself from other people. And like uh, I had like bangs that like covered my eyes and stuff. And like it was really weird. And um, I was just going through this like kind of dark time where I felt like I had no friends. And I was, I was like the only thing that gave me any joy was like serving in junior high ministry. And I had like a horrible history with relationships in my life. Um, you know I like asked girls out, and like literally they 'd like laugh at me and like run away and like I called this one girl, it was the same girl that I was like crushing on in sixth grade about the bees. I like held on to that to like tenth grade um, did not give up on that it was like worthless but um I called her and I asked her to go out to the dance with me and she was like, oh, there's another boy who I think might ask me and then he didn't. It's like, what am I, chopped liver? Um, So I just went through a lot of that in high school, a lot of rejection. Um, My three best friends who were my best bros in junior high left at the end of eighth grade and I went through high school never really finding a friend group to fit into. I was always kind of the guy on the outside, the outskirts who never found a group to fit in with. Um, And the crazy thing was, During that whole time period before I went to Bible college, I was really struggling. And I was like, God, I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to find anyone who likes me. Like, I'm just going to die a hermit in the woods. And um, I remember God was like, trust me. Like, make me your treasure. Like, fall in love with me before you worry about any of that stuff. So it all went together. Like, giving the money, the stuff I was struggling with, it all led to me ending up going to Bible college in England. And, like, literally, like, almost right away, that's when I met that. Beautiful lady over there Brooklyn. Um, and uh, you know, we became best friends, like just overnight, best friends. And um just like sharing our devotions with one another and praying for one another and like going for like walks and and people would ask us, like, are you guys together? And it's like we weren't, like we were just friends, and it's this beautiful relationship, and and um it was like it was more than I'd ever hoped for and asked for. It was it was just amazing, and then you know. It was, I mean, have you guys heard this before? Did I teach this Okay, so I need to go into the details. But basically what I'm trying to say is like, I think about all this, I'm like, what if I never gave that money? You know what I mean? Like, what if I never obeyed the Lord? This isn't a message about like money. Like, y'all need to write me a check right now. Like, that's, it's not, it's not what it's about. Like, It's it's not just money. It's it's time. It's resources. It's basically just about obedience. That's what I'm trying to say. Whatever God calls you to do, whatever action God calls you to take for His kingdom, I think about all the time. If I never gave that money, what if Megan never went? What if she never told me about it? What if I never met Brooklyn? Like I'd probably be living in a van down by the river right now. Like honestly, like she like made me a better person and you know helped me get my life together. She's amazing. But uh, I just think about it. It's like man, like obedience, like putting God. As our ultimate treasure is so, so key. And I just want to end with this. In there's a there's a saying that I heard that just rocked me. It's so good. It says, This is from an old theologian, I'm not sure the name of the guy, but it's just so good. He says, In every heart there is a cross and a throne. And in your heart, Jesus will never be on that throne until you put your flesh on that cross. And it's just, it's so good. Because we live and on, in our hearts, a lot of times we wanna sit on that throne. And our greatest treasure is our present pleasure. It's being in control. It's safety and security. And yet Jesus calls us to live for something else. I just want to end this, and you guys, are, you guys seem like such a great group. You guys seem so solid, but I know in my life there were times where on the outside I seemed solid, but on the inside I had all these struggles, so I'm just throwing this out here. Just this question. Do you like Jesus, or do you love him? Do you like what he does for you, or do you love him? Have you made him Lord of your life? You can be a Christian your whole life, but still not really make Jesus Lord. You're still sitting on that throne. You're happy you're going to heaven. But I think if, you, if you're in that spot right now, I think you can look deep down and you can realize your life is missing something. You're missing what life can be like when Jesus takes that lordship role and when you truly make him your treasure, when you sell everything to buy the kingdom. That's what we're called to do. So I'm just gonna end there. I'm gonna pray. We'll see if anyone has questions. And if not, we'll go into small groups. Lord, we love you. I just ask, God, that you would bless these guys as they discuss and talk and fellowship just about these things, about these words. God, we thank you that the Bible clearly lays out that where our treasure is, there our heart will be. Help us to search our heart and find out, God, where's my heart? Where is it? Is it in academics? Is it in a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Is it in athletics? Is it in... Desire for success? Is it in popularity? Is it in social media? God, where is our heart? Where is our treasure? God, Jesus, Yahweh, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you tell us if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto us. It's not that you hate everything in our lives, God. It's just that you need to be in that top position, you need to come first and then all the other things find their place we have a hole in our heart and so often god we're trying to cram all these different puzzle pieces that don't fit that shape into that hole in our heart but god once you the masterpiece goes into that heart hole then all the other puzzle pieces fall into place and everything makes sense if there's anybody here who feels lopsided in their priorities and in their treasure. Pray that simply, God, you would help them just to flip it around and they'd leave this mountain, putting you as their first primary treasure. In your name, amen.